Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, we'll be continuing with Tom Cantor on the personal relevance of the Passover from Isaiah 53. Let's listen in with Tom. What a great chapter we have in chapter 53 of Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah, who early in the prophet, who early in his book, it's recorded that God said, Who's going to go for us and who's going to tell? And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Look at my hand. Send me. But I'm a man of unclean lips. And God says, No problem. I'll put a coal of fire on your lips. Your lips are cleansed. Go talk. And he gets to the pinnacle of his book in Isaiah 53. And he writes what God revealed to him. And he saw it. He saw it. He was like an eyewitness, even though it hadn't happened yet. It was going to happen 500 years later, but he saw it and he recorded it for us. He's like a reporter. Isaiah is like a reporter on the scene. And he's, 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 he's reporting back to us. And he turned to Isaiah 53, and it's like, he's like he's got a microphone here. He says, this is Isaiah reporting from the scene. I have to tell you what I'm seeing here. And he starts off and he says, he starts off with a question, Who? He says, who has believed our report? God's asking a question. Who has believed our report? Since when does God ask a question, who? But God does ask a question, who? Because there was a report. We just went over Exodus 12. That was a report. Isaiah 53 is a report. And God says, who believes this report? Because to believe this report and to apply the blood and to... And to Avail yourself of the sacrifice. God's interested in who? Who? He wants to know if you will. Individually. He's not asking about your neighbor. He's not asking about your mother. He's not asking about your son. He's not asking about your brother. He's asking about you. He says, who? Who has believed our report? And you might say, I I don't understand. God says, all right. You come. Because the next question is, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Can I figure this out? No. But God can reveal it to you. Who believes? Then God will reveal. That's God's way. You know, when when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross, the mockers came to him, and they said, come down from the cross so that we can see and believe. God says, that's not my way. My way is, you believe, then you'll see. Who hath believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You come to God by faith. Oh God, I'm a sinner. I believe what you said. I don't understand it all. Please reveal it to me. And God says, I'll do it. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Well, what's the report? Isaiah's on the scene. I see him now. He says in verse 2, He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Isaiah says, listen, I've got to explain to you what I'm seeing here. Please listen to me. Please listen carefully. I see him now. I see him. He's growing up. 
He's growing up as a tender plant. He's like a root out of a dry ground. How can there be a root in a dry ground? Just he is. There doesn't seem to be an atmosphere of turning to God. It seems to be a place of rebellion. It seems to be a place of religiosity. It seems to be a place of secularity. But here he is, and he's growing up like a root amidst the dry ground. And he's tender, like a tender plant. So we say, Isaiah, please tell us, what does he look like? What does he look like? Isaiah, describe him to us. We don't have cameras. We don't have paintings. All right, listen to me carefully. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he doesn't have any form. He doesn't have any comeliness. It's not particularly beautiful, not so greatly shaped. He says, not any form or comeliness. Uh, And then what did you feel like, Isaiah? Tell us what you felt like when you saw him. Well, okay, I'm telling you now. When I saw him, actually, in verse 2, When I saw him, there was really no beauty outwardly that I should desire him. Isaiah, you sure? Did you get it right? Yes, I'm telling you the truth. I'm sitting here staring, and I'm explaining to you right now. No beauty that I should desire him. Okay, Isaiah, please, tell us what's going on around him. The people, how are they responding to him? You told us he doesn't have any form. You told us he doesn't have any comeliness. You told us there's no beauty that should desire him. Okay, what about the people around? Okay, listen, I'm going to report on that. Verse 3. He is despised. Are you sure, Isaiah? Yes, I'm telling you. He is despised. And what's the, what's the reaction of the people around Isaiah? Please tell us. He is despised and he is rejected of men. He's despised and rejected. Of, yes, I'm telling you. He is despised. He is rejected of men. Well, Isaiah, can you get a look into his eyes? Can you kind of peer up there and tell us what he looks like? Yes, I'm looking now. I can see. I'll describe it as best I can. He is a man of sorrows. He's a man of sorrows, and he's acquainted with grief. He understands grief so well. I can see it in his eyes. I can see it in his face. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. Isaiah, please tell me, what are the people doing around him when they're looking at him? He said, oh, oh, I, I'll tell you exactly. They, they, we, me also, we went like this. We hid as it were our faces from him. We couldn't stand to look at him. Why? Because, I'll tell you again, he was despised and we didn't put any estimation on him. We didn't put any estimation on him. We esteemed him not. Isaiah, please, can you give us some Why? Can you tell us what's going on, Isaiah? Yes, listen. Listen very careful to me. In verse 4, surely, please listen to me. Surely. I'm, not, I, I'm convinced of this. I want you to know. I'm telling you, surely. Something's happening here. I need to tell you. Surely. He, is, he has borne our griefs. He's bearing our griefs. It's not, it's not his grief. He's bearing our griefs. On him. Are you sure, Isaiah? Yes, tell, listen to me. He's bearing our griefs. It's my griefs. It's your griefs. It's all of our griefs. He's bearing them on his back. What else, Isaiah? He's carrying our sorrows. 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 I mean our sorrows. The sorrows of our heart. The sorrows of my heart. The sorrows of your heart. All of our sorrows. I see him. He's, he's doing that. He's bearing our griefs and he's carrying our sorrows. Uh, Isaiah, well, what is everybody thinking is going on here? Well, well we're here and, and it says here, 
We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. What? Yes. We're thinking, we're sitting, we're, it's obvious. God is afflicting him. God is smiting him. God is striking him. That's the way it is. I say, this is unbelievable. Can you, can you explain it? Yes. Yes, listen. Let me put it very clearly. He is being wounded for our transgressions. He didn't do anything wrong. He was a tender plant. I already told you that. But it's our transgressions that are doing this to him. It's what we did wrong. It's how we crossed over the line against God. Really? I see bruises now. I see the marks on his skins. Yes, and I see them. But actually, I'm understanding. He's being bruised for our iniquities. Our iniquities. That's bruising him. That's what's going on here. It's unbelievable. What else? He's being punished. The chastisement, the punishment, so we could have peace. It's on him. He's being punished for us. For us? Yes. What's happening to us? Every time he's beaten by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed by his stripes. He's suffering. All these things are occurring to him. He's being wounded for our transgressions. He's being bruised for our iniquities. He's being beaten. He's being punished. Us? We just got healed by what happened to him. By his stripes, we are healed. Healed. Isaiah, can you comment a little bit about us? Us? All of us? We're like sheep. We went astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. Us? All of us? We turned to our own way. We said, I don't care. I don't care about God. I got an idea. Oh, I'm going to go there. Yeah, that's my way. What's your way? My way is this way. I got it. So I see us all. We're like sheep. We're just going every which way. Nobody cares about God. Nobody cares about what God wants. Nothing. What he says, we're just, we're like impassioned with the, I did it my way. That's us. And God did something. The Lord laid on him all of that going astray. The Lord laid on him all of that going our own way. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's the Lamb of God. He's God's choice. God's Lamb. And he puts all the iniquity on him. Isaiah, please, tell us again what's going on. All right, just a minute. I'm looking up now. I can see he's oppressed. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Isaiah, tell us about what, 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 what his response is, Isaiah. What is his response? Okay, I'm telling you. He said, he, he's like a lamb. He's like a lamb that's being brought to the slaughter. He's, not, he, he's acting innocent. He's acting dumb. He's, he, he's not saying anything. He's not rebelling. He's not, he's not resisting. He's, he's going along with it. His will is there. He's like a lamb. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, he's not opening his mouth. 
It's like he's willing. He's a willing sacrifice. He knows what's going to happen, but he's willingly going to there. He's not rebelling. He's not, he's not defending himself. He's not, he's not protesting. He's just like a lamb or a sheep that is going along to the slaughter that's being led to the slaughter. That's what I'm seeing. Isaiah, isn't that like the Passover lamb? Yes, the lamb was led out and the lamb was going to be killed, but the lamb willingly came. But this lamb knows what's going to happen. Isaiah, what else? Well, there was a judgment, there was a prison, but he was just so quickly taken out of it. It says he was taken from prison, he was taken from judgment. There really was no judgment. It was like a mock trial. It says he was taken from prison, he was taken from judgment, and people are asking, it's so quick. They're saying, who's going to declare his generation? He's not even married, he doesn't have any kids. Who's going to carry on his generation? Because people are saying here right now, he's being cut off too soon out of the land of the living, for he was cut off out of the land of the living. Wait, I hear a voice. Just a minute, I hear a voice. The voice is coming from heaven. It's saying, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Oh, it's of God somehow. This is because of the transgression of my people, the Jewish people. He's stricken. My people who have put their faith and trust in him, coming from Jews, coming from Gentiles, for the transgression of my people, he's stricken. I can understand. What else is happening, Isaiah? Well, he's making his grave with the wicked. I can see there, there's a cross. I see another wicked man on the one side, another wicked man on the other side. He is making his grave on a cross with the wicked. And what else, Isaiah? Well, there's this rich man coming here. I think his name might be Joseph. And he's coming, and it says here, and with the rich in his death, this man seems to be giving him a tomb, his own tomb, a rich man's tomb. The rich in his death. What can you say, Isaiah, about his life? I'm telling you, it says, he did no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. He was blemishless. He was spotless. He was sinless. He did no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. He's a qualified lamb. He's like the Passover lamb. He was qualified. He did no violence. There wasn't any deceit in his mouth. He was, he was without blemish. Oh, now, you've got to listen to what I'm saying. Isaiah says, I'm just going to report. I'm the reporter, and I'm just going to tell you what I see. It is pleasing the Lord to bruise him. That's such an amazing passage. And Tom, we always hear that the Jews or the Romans killed the Lord Jesus Christ. But this passage is saying that God killed him. How is that possible? Well, that's the amazing part of the redemption That's the amazing part of it all, is that it didn't just happen, it was purposeful. In other words, God became a man with the express intent, you couldn't stop him, to become the Lamb of God and to lay down his life as a ransom for sins as a sacrifice for sins, for his blood to be offered for our sins. He did all this. And then he turns to us and he says, what's your choice? Will you take God's lamb to be your lamb? 
But this whole concept of God himself so involved in the atonement to actually be stating that it was God who put him to death. This is all prefigured for us in the account of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. Because there in that passage, God called Abraham, and Abraham is symbolic or represents God the Father. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. You see what he said to him? He said, there are two characteristics of your son I want you to focus on, and I know very well, Abraham, this is your only son, and this is your son who you love. Who was the Lord Jesus Christ? God's only son. He was God the son, but he was God's only son, and he loved him. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what he told Abraham about Isaac. Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest. And so what does it say in the rest of Genesis 22? Get thee into the land of Moriah, offer him there for a burnt offering. God called Abraham to offer Isaac for a burnt offering. He said, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And it says then, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. And then it says, and then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young man, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the son will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So it was very clear here that Abraham knew he was listening and getting his commands from the God of life. And if the God of life was telling Abraham to kill his son, then the God of life surely had within his mind to bring Isaac back from the dead again. Therefore, Abraham told his servants I and the Son will go yonder and worship, and we will come again to you. And then it says in verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the knife in his hand. Imagine the scene. Abraham took the knife that he was going to kill his son with in his own hand. Took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. There's that wonderful word that we have throughout the scripture, echad. They went both of them echad. They went both of them with absolute agreement. You know, there was a time when Isaac came to understand exactly that he was the sacrifice. And do you know what? When that son Isaac looked into the eyes of his father Abraham, he, without even words, said to his father, Father, I am echad with you. 
I am together with you. I am one with you. If this is what God has called for me to be the sacrifice, I am willing, Father Abraham, I am willing, because he was a very young man, Isaac, and Abraham was a very old man, and it would have been nothing for Isaac to fling Abraham off of that mountain, but he didn't, and he submitted himself even to be sacrificed, and for all he knew, to death. And that's such a picture of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when it says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, it means that God the Father, like Abraham the Father, and God the Son, like Isaac the Son, were together. And when God the Father and God the Son were together, it means that when the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, knew that God the Father wanted him to lay down his life for sins, he was one with him. And when Isaac knew that Abraham, his father, was going to kill him because God had called him, Isaac was one with him. And that's what that word means in verse 6 when it says, they went, both of them, together, echad, like the Shema. And then it says, and Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I. Picture the tenderness of the scene. His son, who is already identified as his only son whom he loves. The love of his life there, Abraham, has got in front of him, Isaac. And Isaac says, and he looks to Abraham and he says to him, father, my father, tender words. And the father turns to him as if to say, son, I will never lie to you. He said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said from his heart, my son, God, who is everything, God, will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Abraham was saying, I don't know everything, my son Isaac, but there's one person I know. There's one person who I'm friend with. I have friendship with God. And God, who's provided everything, will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. My son, can you accept that answer that I've had to accept in my heart? Can you let that answer put to silence every war and turmoil within as I have? And he looked him in the eye, and without even saying a word, Isaac said, I'm with you, Father, and the amazing words are repeated a second time. So they went, both of them, together. They went, both of them, echad. They went, both of them, as one. When Isaac knew that he was the lamb, that he was the one who was going to be sacrificed, it's emphasized again. There was a time in a garden called Gethsemane when the Lord Jesus Christ, struggling with the full knowledge that he was the lamb who was going to be sacrificed for the sins of the world, and he turned to his father and said, oh, father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, 
Not mine, but thine be done. And he rose up from that time. And in essence, it could have been written there. And they, God the Father and God the Son, they went, both of them, together. Echad. They went, both of them, together to the cross. And God the Father, in essence, sacrificed God the Son for our sins so that he could set before us life and death. Life through the blood of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah. And then what we read further in the history between Abraham and Isaac, it says they came to the place which God had told them of. Abraham built an altar there. Abraham's involvement, God's involvement, God the Father's involvement, watching his own son be taken by Roman soldiers up to a hill in Jerusalem called Golgotha, Calvary. And there it says, and he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And then the history tells us that God said, no, Abraham, stop. But all that was done for our benefit, all that was done so that we would understand that God the Father sacrificed his son for our sins and so that we could choose him is the Lamb of God to be our Lamb of God. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom will continue with The Personal Relevance of the Passover from Isaiah 53. If you'd like to learn more about Tom Cantor or Israel Restoration Ministries, visit our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. There you'll find more resources to help you with your friendship with God. Join us again tomorrow at the same time.